0: The Telegraph. the Telegraph. Podcasts.
5: Good evening. Hello. Welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact in association with The Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance. I'm Brian Moore and joining me, as you can see, is the former All Black and current Quince half, Nick Evans. Good evening, Nick. Good evening. Coming up on the podcast, we'll be speaking to Will Carling, Adam Jones, Hugo Southwell, Shane Byrne, to talk all things uh, Six Nations, which is now obviously finished. Plus, we'll cross the codes with the star Yestin Harris and New Zealand commentator Dan McCarty, who will be talking up Super Rugby. Uh, We'll also be looking back on an England team that did win a Grand Slam over the weekend. That's the women's Six Nations team with their former World Cup-winning coach, Gary Street. And unfortunately, of all weekends, Nigel Owens is not available this week. But uh, we will obviously be talking about certain legal aspects of the game. And uh, remember, look, you can join us every week on Facebook Live at 6pm. Just search for Telegraph Sport and you can listen to the whole show via the Telegraph website. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you will never miss an edition. And please leave a review. On with the show. Nick. Nick. Where do we start? Where do, you, where, where do we start? <laughs> we'll leave the Scotland game till later because we've got a few go. Let's start um, where the uh, main action was for the title. Uh, we're well, not for the title, for the Grand Slam. Second successive one for England going for. And they came up short. What did you think before the game, and whilst you were going through and watching it, um, how did your thoughts develop?
1: Yeah, I thought it was a fan- fantastic in, fitting game. Um I actually uh, I tweeted out to the England fans I know how you feel um the sun does shine uh, the next morning just shines on New Zealand first obviously <laughs> um but um no look I think um it was a fantastic game um and before the game I, I... I thought it was going to be close. I I did think Conor Murray Loss would be a big big factor uh, and, and help England, but I thought Kieran uh, Merriman was was absolutely fantastic, he was, absolutely yeah. fantastic and uh they they didn't miss a beat and and uh you know uh, he slipped Losing him in the warm-up as well, mm-hmm. uh, I thought again here, here we go. Um, you know, again, you know, one of their big talismans for for Ireland, yeah. but um, but no, I thought it was a fantastic game and just the crucial. It was Ireland being Ireland, wasn't it? it they they played yeah. the way they do, fantastically well. They were they were dominant uh, in, the, in that breakdown area. They starved uh, England of front football, mm-hmm. um, and you know when England are get that front football, they look a million dollars. And as with any team, but you stop on that on that gain line, uh, and then you expect your big players to step up and yep. I just thought they were caught short a little bit in that England uh, in terms of getting the field position that they wanted uh, Sexton marshalled the game very very well uh, yeah, as yeah. again you know he just played that island style very well and uh, and they just nailed it and they ground them down and um, they, uh, England found it very hard
5: I, I know this sounds uh, quite a strange comment but that's the sort of performance that they turn up at home and you can sustain it at home because the crowd is a really yeah. big factor and it was quite apparent to me, and I'll discuss this with Will Carling when he comes on, um, and, and memories of uh, echoes of 1990 and Murrayfield, but when you play a game in front of your home crowd and they cheer every positive thing you do to the rafters, it really does keep you and sustain you, it feels rewarding, any small thing that you contribute, when it's recognised like that, obviously lifts you. And when you're in the face of that, it's they're all professional players, and they do play in hostile atmospheres, but when it's continual like that, it just is slightly draining, and you have to physically and mentally steel yourself for that. And even then, when things start going against you, you you know, the ball, a couple of balls, that, a couple of chip balls later on that roll right into the corner, superbly mm-hmm. from, from the scrum half, You at some point you start to think, this is not things aren't happening, are they? They're just not happening. And then you try a bit harder, you make mistakes, one of the big things for me that England have done for a long time, they've only got better at it in certain aspects. Even if you look in before they went into this game, they've got a higher penalty count than mm. a lot of other teams, even when they're winning, and they shouldn't have. Yeah. You know, and certainly more than Ireland. And again, when they're trying to establish momentum in the second half, you had penalties for a high tackle, a late tackle, a slapping the ball out. Yeah. You know, and these are all unnecessary and you will not get any momentum. And when they look back at this, quite apart from the tactical aspect, this discipline element, whilst it's not necessarily costing them points on the board, it's constantly checking anything they do. And conversely, you know, Ireland get the ball, and they make full use of it in territorial terms, which puts them back. And the other thing, and you, you, you take kicks to touch, I want two or three kicks that England made 15 yards with? Yeah. Only 15, you know, an Ireland were making 30, 35, and the net gain is, is big. I mean, is that is that too conservative, or or is it just an error at the time, or, or what? Yeah, no, it's
1: uh, it's a issue. Go back to the, the you know the, the discipline issue. It's uh, you said they're not conceding points on the board of them, but there's momentum. It's yep. it's just such a big momentum game, and games like that shifts of momentum happen like that you know like it can be one decision one high tackle one drop of the ball and the momentum can shift from you being on top to Ireland being on top mm-hmm. from that and uh that's is when you've got to be tight you've got the whole team needs to be tight and for me it it wasn't headless chucks running around the field but it looked a little bit individualistic you know guys were trying to solve things on their own yeah get it I'm going to be the one that put my hand up which is great yeah but we know in a team sport that doesn't work you know a Toji unbelievable series, but he looked like he was trying to solve things on his own. He yeah. was going out there. Well, he gave
5: three penalties. Exactly. Right?
1: Offscreen. I'm going I'm to solve this. I'm going to solve this. And unfortunately, like you said, you try too hard and then you mistake. It compounds a mistake. And now, after the game, Hartley referred to it. You know, it was one mistake and then it was another mistake mm-hmm. and then another mistake. And all of a sudden, the pressure that they had in the 22 on Ireland, they find themselves back inside their own 22. And then there's conceded penalty and it's another three points.
5: Yeah, what um, I've always thought about the All Blacks. Um, not all the time, but when they're playing their very best, they'll try something. The referee spots it, give them bit, they won't do it again. No, and um, you know if they start to, if there's a pattern are developing, they'll they'll say right, this has got to stop. You know they don't manage it all the time; they get beaten occasionally, but they are the best in saying right. That part of our game has to improve, and be able to solve it on the field.
1: Leaders, that you, that's where you need your leaders to stand up and go right. That's not working, you know, and the shift from McCaw to Reed will be will be is exactly the same thing. They will say if something hasn't if they've gone in and said, right, we're gonna target the Ruck, we think we can get mileage there, there's a couple of penalties, it's not working, boom. Collectively, everyone in, listen to what we're doing, we're changing it. It's not working. This is what happened and i don't think we saw i don't think we saw that maybe mm. um, and uh, but but going on to the the kicking thing i mean it 's a big thing obviously in my position you know we are always said you know try and get as much as you can because the difference between fifteen to you know forty you know thirty forty yards down yeah. the field is absolutely massive in terms of your set piece especially if you 're dominant in that area um, you know i of we we try and give ourselves we're allowed one miss that that's usually what I was saying to have a crack, you know right, okay. but, I mean this is a premiership level we're talking yes. about here, so a little bit different in terms of the uh, the outcome there, but yeah, we're allowed one miss to try and go for it because we mm-hmm. want to try and get down there um and so technically you have to be you have to be perfect because it's sometimes it's not easy windy stadium yeah. um you know the lines at, in pressure situations It's maybe might think, oh, it should be easy just to kick a ball out over the line, but sometimes <laughs> no. believe me, it's not as easy <laughs> as you think sometimes, so yeah
5: well. I, the, the the it seemed to me, it, it felt even from a distance to be a claustrophobic from an England point of view. You know, constantly people being hounded, constantly people, you know, under pressure, um, in your face, and so on. You can only do a certain amount of things, um, to counter that. But could England have, I don't know, chipped a bit more? Could they have, uh, could they pick ball up and driven a bit more? Could they have, you know, tied, tied the forwards in from the line out? You know, from afar, you can. Maybe see things that just don't or, sh- or might should be a bit to, to you on the field if you've got the experience. But was there anything that you think, yeah? I think, um, we've got to give Ireland a
1: bit of credit. No, there. I'm not, uh, not, I'm yeah, not taking I, anything, I, I, no, away no, I, I understand that, but I think they they put the pressure on. Um, you know, you look at Joseph, didn't really get into the game, um, Watson. Didn't get into the game hardly at all. Vunipola really didn't get the didn't mm. get into the game as much as you would have liked him. Yeah. You know, his what you know the big carry for England. I can't remember him going carrying up, getting again the next ruck around. You know, he's in there again cool. and again. Um, the ball didn't get to Joseph enough, and again, you know that that's Ireland putting the pressure on them, and you've got to counter that. And whether that is putting the ball in behind a bit more, turn them a little bit more. Their line speed was quick. Um, you know you've got Earls and Zebo on the wing. Um, how many contestable kicks did we see on those guys with uh, Brownie? You know oh. running down the lines and uh, and and Watson as well. Fantastic guys, fantastic in the air. Mix it up a little bit. Throw something at the uh, at the Irish because they, they they seem comfortable defensively. They seem well, reasonably they, they comfortable. Uh, and you've got to try and manipulate
5: that and change it. You, I mean you're a fly half and Johnny Sexton. He's a warrior first of all. He puts his, he puts his body around, mm. but there's more to him than that, isn't there? In attack and defence. Yeah, he's
1: he's smart. He's a very smart and astute character. And, um, you know, he's got that bit of I'm trying to think of a bit of word, but a Mike Brown about him. You know, he's very confrontational. He loves that. He's a he's a competitor, which is fantastic. Um, but he's also very cool under pressure, which yeah. is what I like, and what probably sets him apart from the from the top guys. Is that uh, when the pressure comes on, he knows what to do at the mm-hmm. right time and makes decision. And his communication skills are those around him, everyone's on the same wavelength. And he, um, I think, he brings the best out of the people. And I, I'm sure he was a massive help to Kieran at nine. There, yeah. it seemed to me. It, they they told him, Joe Smith would have told Kieran, just get in there and pass the ball. Mm-hmm. Just get in, get the ball away, let Johnny uh, run the show. You just get the ball and get it away. Because Connor, Connor is a very organisational nine. He, yeah. he he was the catalyst of everything that does well against Ireland. But it seemed to me they just shifted that more so onto Johnny. Let uh, Kieran just get in there, get the ball away, uh, and, and Johnny run the show. Well, back. obviously,
5: as, as Kieran Marm has his confidence developed because... Um, he realised, yes, not only am I here, I deserve to be here, hmm. I'm playing well. Then he started, you know, a couple of runs yeah. where he made lots of yards, went through tackles, a couple of chips, and he just, he just grew. And again, everything he did was cheered to the rafters. Yeah. And, you know, I think when you get in, he, he must have, he must have, at some point in that game, he must have thought, actually, I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop just being. Not defensive, but no. beautiful. I I can do a lot more than this. Yeah, and that's and, confidence, yes, it, exactly. isn't it? Yes, One hundred percent. You yeah. nailed it. That's that, yeah. that's
1: confidence and uh, doing the basics well, doing the simple things well. Um, you know, the the other stuff, the talented stuff, the, yeah. the X factor kind of stuff just rolls on from that.
5: Well, Peter, I mean, uh, Jimmy slip's replacement, O'Mahony. I thought he, he was he was probably the standout forward. Actually, he had a fantastic game, and we just you know from an England point of view, they they just could not. C- I didn't see the stability. There. And, and the, ter- the territorial things—that this is another thing—if you're losing the territorial kicking battle on a net basis, either from, you know, ball in hand mm. or from uh, penalties and whatever—if yeah. you're you're forced then when the clock's running down to use things in places like England actually got successful drives, but they mm. were just outside the 22. Yeah, they got penalties from them, which only went 15 meters. You know, if they'd been in the territorial position of being around the 10 meter line or in the in Ireland's half, just those things are starting to get kickable penalties. And I get, come back to this one. They get the penalty late in the game. Mm. There's still about six minutes left, probably. Uh, they went for the corner. Now, if you mess the line out, up, it doesn't matter what you decide because no, it's not going to work. Yeah. But I just think if you've got five minutes plus left and you can go within one score, they've got to kick back to you. Uh, and if you can put a couple of, Patterns together and get outside the 22. As soon as you start to approach your 10 meter line and over that with, with Elliot Daly as well, mm. they know that they cannot do anything. And that makes it a bit easier for you to just make ground. And I always think you, know, you should just take the points.
1: Yeah, that's the important thing. I, I think there, um, you know, obviously we I play for a team, Quinn's, and obviously in New Zealand, where, you know, we're, we're encouraged to go for it, back your decision, and, and if that's what you think, you, you, you go for it. But your point there of the fact that the other team, when they kick back to you, they know they can't give away penalties because they're giving a, a piggyback. You, yeah. All of a sudden, you're into the the kicking range of of, of kickers. So yeah. all of a sudden, they're on the back foot. A little, well, they're yeah. half a yard back behind that ga- uh, offside yeah. line. Yeah. You know, so they're given a little bit. Then, so then all of a sudden, front football com- becomes a lot easier. Um, they're not competing at the breakdown, so you're going to get quick ball, and then you can put phases together yeah. again and again and again and as long as you're accurate um you, you know i won't say it's easy to get out of your uh, half but it's a lot more easier than all of a sudden you know guys at the breakdown yeah. slowing the ball down and things like that so i mean again it's hindsight it's a, it's a wonderful thing we can mm-hmm. we can talk about it um but yeah they could have gone for it um they went for the went for the corner and unfortunately uh accuracy at the set piece let them down
5: yeah well I, I, as you said earlier on not taking anywhere from anything away from I it was his offensive uh, display, which was with Par Excellence, the sustained discipline as well and the effort were, you know, top draw um, I was actually in Paris, which witnessing <laughs> a game, the like of which I don't think we'll see again. And thank God, thank God, and thank God for that. It, it was just, I mean, it was it wasn't a very good game anyway. It was, it was riddled with errors from both sides, and we had this dramatic uh, denouement where all sorts of things went on. Now I've looked at this in detail, because this is a big talking point. And this is what happens. At no point before Atolio, was the reserve prop, who came on, Simone so went off, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, by injury, he was substituted, which makes a difference. And, Ireland had a series of, sorry, Wales had a series of scrums where their reserves actually held the French team, perfectly static. We then come to the near end of the game with the card, and everything seems over five yard scrums and so on. At one point, at no point was there a situation where you could definitively say, Antonio has had a bang on the head and needs examining. And 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 indeed they didn't. Then at one scrum, you can see Maestri in particular, and his fellow second row, geeing Antonio up, so come on, big effort. Um, They don't seem to be saying, um, are you injured? Should you go off? The doctor then come, and and this was compounded by the fact that water carriers were all over the place. One of which was the French doctor. Before we go on to the, further, what is the protocol allowing people to come on as water carriers? Um, you know, notifications for physios and and so on. Yeah. So as a,
1: as far as I'm aware, uh, having been a water boy uh, <laughs> for the last few weeks, um, water boys are only allowed on after the fourth official on the sideline says time's off, yep. and then you can go on. Okay. Uh, physios are allowed on if someone goes down. They're allowed on straight away. Obviously for you know. Player welfare, mm-hmm. next, and or anything like that. So, uh, water carriers, as long as the time's off, they're allowed to go on and uh, and and be amongst them. Um, the doctor, the doctors, doc- I would say the doctors are the same as physios. Yeah, uh, I could be wrong there. Don't hold me that, but, but uh, I would I would imagine that. And it looked like from the game, it was like that because it was everyone was everywhere.
5: Yeah. What happens in the situation where they're being examined and so on? You know, do they need to go through the fourth official to say, well? Because the referee is over there, and the injury might be a long way away from that. What yeah. happens? So if it's if a serious
1: it... injury, uh, the, the word comes in through the um, <coughs> the fourth official. Obviously, it's a serious injury, and then the referee is, is advised, and he stops the game there. Okay. If it's not, then the, obviously the game carries around, on, on, and then yeah. when there's a stoppage in play, then he goes to it there. Yeah. Uh, as far as I'm aware, the HIA, because of the referee need to knowing... What who's coming on and off people just can't go off and someone come on he needs yeah. to be with so he is advised yeah. uh, from the fourth official there's an HIA right. uh, this guy's right. coming on Yeah. well at no us.
5: point did that happen the uh, French team doctor walks on he talks to Antonio he doesn't talk to referee mm. about Wayne Barnes um, Antonio's sort of non-plus cheering, whatever, whatever. Um, and then he walks off again mm. there's a scrum goes down no apparent injury doctor appears again by this time Tonio is turned his back. and He's already walking off. Throughout this, Samani, Slo- <laughs> who's a better scrummager, um, it was has been warming mm. up. The ref, the referee. If you actually watch Kevin, the referee turns and he's not going to speak to Wayne Barnes at all until Wayne Barnes said, "Oh, wait a minute. Mm. Um, what's going on? Uh, is he going off? In your professional opinion, does he have to go off ahead in says And the re- and the and the doctor says, um, "Yeah, yeah, I, I told you that." And he just trots off. And then the the prop comes on now. Obviously, usually someone's prone and they're staggering yeah. or whatever. But I, I, I just couldn't see there was any. And the other thing is, for for HIA off the field, don't you have to? is the protocol you've got to do an assessment on the field first as well? You, there's the thing questions and and sort of um, you've got to look for the uh, indicators of concussion. Before you conclude, yeah, he needs to go off for it. You got to make some examination. I, I couldn't th- see any examination at all. Yeah,
1: I think there's uh, the indicators are, are the important thing, and and that's why now they have, you know, we have people watching the video and going back. You know, yeah. if someone goes down, you know, there's there's people staying on the ground for a certain amount of time. There's the the way someone gets up. Yeah. Uh, there's that spaced look. There's obviously yeah. staggered walking. Yes. um, Not knowing where you are and all that. Because all of the, those are all indicators, and those yeah. are all indicators to say he's had a head yeah. injury. And they. To to see if they off. are indicators. You have to examine it. Right? Well, exactly. You need to be out there. And, well, I mean, uh, we're nearly out. Of,
5: we're nearly out of time, and I, I couldn't see any of those. No. I thought at the time it was sharp practice, and I now, I now thought they cheated. Frankly, I mean, straightforward. Um, that's my opinion. I'm sure it won't be uh, supported by the French, but I tell you what, this is an issue that World Rugby. They really do have to look at it because the things surrounding that did not. They weren't. They, they were not tasteful. They didn't. They didn't look right. they Didn't feel right. And the head injury protocol is there for a reason, a really serious reason. And if you throw a doubt onto that, then, you know, players like you, they may well be in trouble. OK, that's uh, 20 minutes gone, just like that. Um, remember to keep listening, because uh, we're going off Facebook Live, but you can go on via the Telegraph website, and we're going to hear the thoughts of Will Carling, Hugo Southwell, Shane Byrne, Justin Harris, and some, uh, and some others. So go over there and make sure you subscribe to and download the podcast
2: in association with qbe business insurance principal partner of the british and irish lions time to talk
5: to the last captain to uh, for england to complete a double grand slam i'm sure that he and i um, probably wish uh, we we weren't in that team but it's will carlin good evening will
6: Well, no, I was glad I was in that team. Oh, yeah, fair Yeah. I'm just... I wish that uh, they had emulated it yesterday.
5: Yeah. Um, I think we've discussed the prospects, um, you know, uh, several times. And I I thought, and Nick thought, that the absentees would tilt it in England's favour. But as the game went on, I started to get terrible flashbacks. I mean, I've only had thousands of hours of therapy about uh, 1990 (laughs) at Murrayfield anyway. But... That claustrophobic feeling, you know, everything bouncing islands way, you know, them, you know, making yards and so on, and England giving silly penalties away unnecessarily. Um, I started to think, actually, this is probably not going to be the occasion where they, they get out of the jail, they they can do that. What, what were your thoughts so, as the game was going on?
6: Yeah, I mean, sadly, pretty similar. I thought even in Wales, when they were under pressure against the French, they looked far more composed. They weren't making the mistakes that they made yesterday. Um... They just, too many of the players looked uh, rattled, they looked uncomfortable, they looked as though the, the speed of, of, of Ireland's uh, defence and the way they played just caught them by surprise. And, you know, we've been there and it's, uh, it's a horrible feeling because you just don't seem to be able to get a grip. You can't calm anything down and get a grip on the game.
5: Eddie Jones has been looking for leaders. I mean, he's identified several and indeed in other games they... Uh, seem to have, have been able to solve the problems that have come eventually. Um, what, why do you think they couldn't do it this time?
6: I think because Ireland also maintained the intensity. There was no, no let-up from the Irish. I thought they were very clever with the way they played. They were very clever at the breakdown. Um, you know, Sexton is a, is, is a brilliant um, orchestrator of a game at 10, and they didn't really allow England any um, any easy ins. To the game and when you when you add that to England's own unforced errors it just meant that they just they, they played the whole game on the outside and, and when I look back at 90 it's almost like that's exactly how I felt we just were never in the game we never felt as though we were in control of it um in control of ourselves either and I think it, it was it was uncomfortable watching it um yesterday
1: well, Nick Evans here, mate. How are you going? Yeah, good. Are you yeah, good? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Um, I, I We talked about earlier uh, Ireland kicked very well, but they also had a good, a good balance to the game. They held on to the ball, um, actually, a lot of time in their own half. Um, and they actually found a lot of space on the edges. Um, now, they had Earls and Zebo out there, uh, who are not the most potent back three. Um, you know, I'm thinking someone like Surveyor or Naholo in those wider those wider area, areas uh, can cause a bit of problem. Do you think that's you know, when they people come up against England now defensively, they do have a very strong line speed, but there are chances to get around this England defence.
6: Yeah, I, th- I think England tightened up... I don't know what you think now. I think they tightened up a little bit more than they yeah. have done. Um, and as you say, the Irish didn't manage to capitalise it. I, I read somewhere that... Was it 75% possession? Yeah. Mm. And when you look at that and you think they only just won the game, that's the bit where if the all Blacks had, yeah. had 75% possession or the Aussies, or, or a number of other teams, it would have been a big score, so yeah, I, in a way, Ireland probably will look back and just think, oh, we should have really, we should have turned the screw on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, going, I mean, you can't
5: get around the fact, I mean, we shouldn't want to get around the fact that they've put together this 18-match uh, winning run, they've won the championship, um, they'll be desperately disappointed, and they should be, uh, and, and part of the Development of a character and, and, and indeed a player is how you react in adversity. Now, what do you think Eddie Jones would have been saying to him when they came off the field when they'd had a little time to, to absorb the experience?
6: I don't know, Brian, you, uh, you know, hey, you and Nick, it, straight after in the change, and there's not a lot really to be said, is there? There's, everyone's got to digest it, and, and maybe Eddie will be sitting and watching to see how they react.
5: Yeah, that's interesting. Because
6: yeah, yeah. Um, I think that would be interesting to see how players themselves will react to it. And I think. Part of me, I look back and you know, uh, I always remember the defeats more than you, than you remember the wins. And and you look at that and think it's it's almost Six Nations is and playing. I'm sure for any side, but certainly for England, is the ability to deal with the emotion and get yourself the same emotional pitch as the opposition when you yeah. when you walk out there and you deal with what was an incredible atmosphere in Dublin. But you're going to get that every time you you play away, and it's. That, I think, is sometimes the bit in professional sport where maybe players don't appreciate how hard you have to work at that bit. But as you say, they've had a great run. I mean, if someone had said when we got knocked out of the World Cup, hey, you're about to go on this unbeaten run, you're going to get back-to-back championships. I mean, talk about a turnaround. And and Eddie and the team have had and, and have been, in my eyes, superb.
5: The personnel are there. We know... Uh, the ones that are in them waiting, and the ones that are to come back from injury and so on. I don't think anyone would uh, advocate major surgery, but there are any areas where you think, well, maybe you might look at uh, further options. Bearing this in mind as well, you know, we're down to the the two year time period, where in, down into the World Cup, where you haven't got that much manoeuvrability.
6: No, I think part of it will will almost be he needs to get uh, as you both know, there's, there's the blend of, of players, you need a blend of guys with a bit of steel, you need the guys who can play, you need the skill it's it's trying to get the blend of all of that in the team and he will have learned a huge amount from yesterday, I think he'll have some ideas of some of the young guys coming in, there's all sorts of talk about a little bit more potency in counter-attack, that might be valid, I don't think the back row is, is where he wants it to be yet but apart from that, I think he's he's getting close to settling on bits. But I think there will be some changes in those areas, maybe.
1: Um, I I thought they had a they had a fantastic time. You know, one back to back Six Nations, unbelievable. Now, obviously, a lot of a lot of the boys are going to go on a Lions tour. Yeah. Um, now this Argentinian tour is this a chance to develop? Send some development boys out there. Um, how they how do you think he's going to approach this?
6: I think he'll take some of the uh, some young guys out there who he. He is, of, you know, have got, has got talent and, and ability, and that's a hard place to tour. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a great tour from an England point of view to to throw in some of these these youngsters with talent and see mentally how tough they are, how hard they are. And I think he'll come back with. I hope he comes back with two or three guys that he goes, yeah, I, I reckon they're going to be they're going to be about ready for this. Because
5: that's interesting because you only need one or two, don't you, yeah. just to yeah. augment what they've got now. Just just one or two who we who we are. and that 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 will that will, that will be. Uh, um, you know, sufficient. I the the Lions tour is an experience for them. Um, there probably won't be as many as uh, you, we would have thought you know, before the tournament started. Certainly in the starting fifteen, anyway. But um, you've been on Lions tours. Uh, they are very different, but they are opportunities. You know, to learn things and so on. What the approach for the England players going on on that call? How do you think they should uh, approach that?
6: I, I think you, you well, you try and approach it as a, as a learning experience, don't you? From all the other players who obviously, you know, coach differently. I think it's uh, it's a great opportunity to look and, and listen to them, and sit and listen to what they do, and watch what they do, and think, oh yeah, hey, that, you know, that's quite a good idea. We could we could use a bit of that. And the same from the coaches. I, th- I think Lions are a hey, you, you you're going to the hardest place in the world to win. You're going yeah. to come up against the best team in the world. I mean, you just on a it's it's a huge learning curve for all of them, and if if you go in with the right frame of mind, hopefully, whichever England players get picked will come back as as better players, mm-hmm. um, you know, better men.
5: No, I spoke to Eddie uh, halfway through the uh, tournament, and and he it was quite surprising. He was p- quite parsimonious in the way he said, look, well, if um, if we're looking at uh, you know scales, he said in the World Cup uh, below average, so so he said four. Uh, he said, um, what are we are now? He said six, maybe. He said, Mike, but we only need to get to seven or eight. Um so wh- where do you think do you think they've they've slipped back from from where they were or are they still in that sort of, you know, what he calls a six above average category?
6: I think he's probably around about six. I mean I think we all forget. What have they had? Fourteen, fifteen months. Mm. You know, and he, he said I've got a it's a four year project. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um and they've done, they, they've they improved massively over a period. I think they've plateaued a, a little bit during the Six Nations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the challenge. And maybe this is the big kick up the backside. Um, and then there's a tour to Argentina. And they, need, they need to kick on again mm-hmm. in November. There's no doubt. I think just been a little bit of plateauing, and that's probably a number of players, and it'll be interesting to see how Eddie views selection with those guys. And, and I think it'll be a time just to, to introduce a few in, in November.
5: Because it's a strange psychological thing, is it? Because when you start out on this process, you're told and you know, this is developmental, don't matter if you make mistakes, you know, go out and try. And funnily enough, when that pressure is off you, you think, oh, and, and, and it works quite a lot often. When you get into a situation where you're starting to defend records and championships, uh, it's easy just to go into yourself and say, let's just win, right? And not to actually look at the areas which, you know, Hitherto, you've just thought, well, let's have a go at this because you've got something precious to defend. And but, but I don't. Brian,
6: do you? I mean, Nick, I'll be interested in your view. Mm. Do you ever? I mean, I'm not being funny, Brian. You, we talk about developmental. Do you want to win every game?
5: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You do. Yeah,
6: yeah. I mean, you, you, know, you can't sort of go, hey, it doesn't matter if we lose to Scotland or France. You know, hey, we're developing. I'm rubbish. You know, you got to win. Well, I think you got I to win th- and develop.
1: I think Eddie would have been really gutted to lose that game. Yeah. yeah. I think I I you know I think he's very good in the media and he says the right things to take the pressure off his players but I think he would have been really really gutted.
6: Yeah, and I I think he would as well because it was like it was a it was just a test of of you know where 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 are we and we yeah. just didn't we for, for whatever reason we just we didn't manage we we weren't there this time and you mm-hmm. think yeah he'll be upset with that.
5: Um what I don't want to go oh. on about nineteen ninety. Just, I'll just make this point, <laughs> Because yeah, because
6: oh, I could talk all night about oh, it. Brian, yeah. Please don't. Um,
5: <laughs> actually, when you look back at that game, though, uh, leaving aside the scrummage issue, we gave away six points um, from foul play, which we'd never done before. And I made this point in the the opening, which I'm certain you didn't hear, but uh, to Nick, w- which was that you know we uh, you know, we've committed and are committing still, even when you take into account. The fact that England have been winning more penalties than we should be doing, uh, and you know, I, I'm not. Something has to be done about this. And but what would you advocate? Because bar reading the riot act, I, I'm not entirely sure how you you go around that.
6: No, I mean I think going back to 90s, like digressing. I I also well, think let's leave that then. But okay, but, but no, 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 just no, because I I think the one point that needs to be made, and I think was. To, I don't think we ever gave Scotland enough credit in, in our build-up to that game. I don't think no, we true. appreciated what they would do to um, to try and change the tempo of the game and tactics. I think we were very fixed in, hey, we're we're playing really well. We're good enough to win. Let's just think about ourselves. And yeah. I think that's where a huge part of us w- were caught out, or maybe that was just me. In terms of, of penalties... That to me is is communication and discipline as a team and understanding the damage that you're doing mm-hmm. um, when you give them away. And I think there is a time and a place. It sounds awful to give a penalty away in a game. Um,
5: well, we know yeah? yeah.
6: But the, but there has to be very good reason why you're doing it. I, th- I agree with you. I think England are still giving away stupid penalties. To me, that's still part of an education, O'Brien. If we're mm-hmm. if you're looking at England as a team, I think we're a little bit down in terms of skill. I think we're a little bit down in terms of um, knowledge, education, and and all those bits. I think Eddie is probably desperately trying to improve. Uh, and I think um, and penalties are a result of lack of thinking at I t- times.
5: I, I tell you what's just come to my mind is is the most effective behaviour modifier in this situation is peer group pressure.
6: Yeah. yeah.
5: You know, you, this is when um, you know if you know you make it quite but You don't have to shout at people. You but. but you know, you can't give you. You must make it plain that you know you've let us down, not just yourself, everyone else. And then I think that then, if you get that, if you can inculcate that into the team, that these are not viewed at all well, then you know that, as much as anything, probably, you know, is 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 the thing.
6: And, and, and Nick and I don't know what it's like in the modern game, but when you sit down, you know, as team to to review what went wrong and everything else, not the point, of, but. That's the time when, when players and, and people should be making it abundantly clear to everyone else. That is out of order, guys. You're know you you making big you know um, indents into us as a team by giving away stupid penalties. And it's much more powerful,
1: so much more powerful coming from your peers than, yes. than a coach standing up there yelling at you, things like that. And unfortunately now, but the game's moved on where people, there's so many oh, little precious little boys around now that sometimes you can't do that. You know, what you've you, got to be selective. What's your, you do? Oh, I'm sorry. Like that you've got a individual management of players now is very, very important. You can't some people will just switch off. Some really? people switch off. Yeah. If a coach does I'm talking from a coach's oh, point right, of view. Yeah, 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 coaches. But if a player does it, it's okay. very, very important. Yeah, from a coach's point of view, if you just get up there yelling, 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 it doesn't work. Put some some players will just switch off. Well, but a player well. from coming from a player. From a player to player, peer coaching, peer Isn't criticism. It, I mean,
6: that's a whole different um, podcast on Obama. But yeah. I yeah. That, that, to me, in terms of you know, a lack of sort of mental strength or, yeah. or honesty, I, I find that amazing. Well, that,
5: actually, we'll just finish on that because the honesty is his thing. And some of the best sessions um, that that I ever had at any any level were when actually the coaches just left you yeah. and then you gave it to yeah. each other. Knowing, with the, with, the, with the caveat that it stayed within that room. Yes. But you were brutally honest.
6: But also, but Brian, the caveat was, this is not just to point the finger and work out who to blame. It's no, like, you no. get better, yeah. Need to work out how we don't make these mistakes again. Yeah, And, yeah, Very um, much and so. it's all about winning, and therefore let's learn.
5: Hmm. Fair enough. Well, yeah. we're, we're, Can I just we're, say, this,
6: yeah, is,
1: this is very uncomfortable because you guys have just won back-to-back Six Nations. You've just equaled the world record. The English I know would be crowing and saying you're the best <laughs> yeah. in the world. Have you guys matured? Yeah.
6: This is unbelievable. <laughs> no, we've becoming <laughs> miserable like, we've been miserable, that, like I've Kiwis. I've got a load of mates here. I'm going to go and crow about it. Okay? Yeah, <laughs> oh, nice. yeah, yeah, very good.
5: <laughs> Thank you very much, Will. Uh, pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, guys. You should mention that. We we. I used to look at the New Zealand attitude thing, uh, and things and the public constantly moaning about this, that and the other and you saw a team be, but actually when it comes down to it if you want to be the best and you've got to keep being sustainably and keep going on as the best there's no other way, is it? You no. have to pick up on what goes wrong. Yeah, you do. You you've got to do. improve.
1: It's the, way, it's the only way you're going to improve. It's yeah. the only way things get solved. Um, and you, you've got to be strong enough to take the criticism and constructive criticism to um, to get yourself over the line, to get yourself into a, into a better place, and to improve what's going wrong. Because we're you know we're all aiming for that perfect game, and uh, you know you've got to
5: always constantly strive to improve. Yeah. Well, someone who um, will have had a big smile on his face, I know, uh, on Saturday. Evening. this will probably be the same whichever the way the result went. Is the former Island Lions so, look okay, Shane Byrne Shane. Good evening. Morning guys. <laughs> <morning. laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's yes. <laughs> Mummo. <mudgering. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. did you go to Cheltenham as well?
0: <laughs> no, no. No, no, um, no.
5: we looking from um afar you see this game, Ireland have only got the negative pressure in one way of saying, let's deny these English so-and-sos, you know, um, this second successive Grand Slam and so on, and yet the intensity they showed went beyond that. Do you... Where did that come from, That, that the, the, the sustained passion and, uh, and discipline?
0: Well, there's a couple of things. I think it, the script was written for Ireland in the sense that... Uh, we sat back into a box that we haven't been in a while and it's one that suits us very well of being the underdog mm. for something about the irish psyche as you well know brian mm. we we'd absolutely thrive on being the underdog and and not nobody really expecting much There was added spice i suppose is to stop you getting the slam and also the um you know the, the world record there was no doubt about that but Nobody needs any more motivation to be playing in games like that, particularly against England, the Six mm-hmm. Nations. And the, the guys just came out from the absolute get go. And the thing that surprised me, it was, it was like England didn't expect that to happen, whereas everybody knew that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that Eddie Jones could have expected Ireland to be in, in any way passive. You know, after the disappointment they had against Wales the week before even from an individual's point of view, because I know players will say they don't think about it, but the Lions thing is real. So many guys needed to have a bloody good performance. Mm -hmm. So there was obviously always going to be a a reaction from Ireland. And honestly, it was like England didn't expect that to happen. If you look at the tournament as a whole, uh,
5: you could make one case and one argument for saying, you know, England... Uh, will be very disappointed about this result, but they won the tournament. So to that extent, they fulfilled something. Whereas mm-hmm. Ireland, you know, they had performances which were just substandard, um, yeah. and yet they pulled this out. How do you think they will look back at this
0: tournament? Oh, it will be tinged with a bit of uh, missed opportunity. There's no doubt about it. There's, there's. If it, it's looked on, it is looked on now because obviously look when the celebrations died down and you're just having a chat with a guy at a bar and it really is everybody still goes back to us is that we all knew that this kind of performance was in this team mm-hmm. and what Joe Schmidt now has to do is to get away of getting these guys to do that week in week out because the consistency just wasn't there to Six Nations at all and um, it was there for the November International so whatever he did then it, it worked to a certain degree but it just he got it wrong. The psyche, I don't know what kind of preparation or what it was. We were caught napping in in against the Scots, and then beaten. We almost did the to me the same thing that England did uh, at the weekend. There was that we di- almost didn't expect there to be a backlash, and that's the thing that Ireland now has to move on from. If they want to stay up in the top echelons of the rugby, they have to get this consistency and not dip down below it. Because, as you saw, to a man, every player had a fantastic game yesterday. And the passion and pride and the aggression and the skill set, everything was there that was needed. So why the hell didn't we do it in all the other games in the Six Nations?
1: Shane, Nick uh, Nick here, mate. Um, Hey, Nick. Hey, how you going? Good. Um, uh, Kieran Merriman, we talked about at the start of the show just how much of a loss I thought, um, you know, Connor Murray would be. Yeah. But he just did not miss a beat. Uh, when he came home, what, you know, talking to me where he's where he's come from, you know, and uh, the influence that he had on the on, on that performance because I thought he was brilliant.
0: He was brilliant, and and you're dead right. Of all the changes and and movements among the team, that was the one that everyone was kind of going. Gene Like Connor is a guy who's really in a purple patch mm. at the moment, and he was playing some superb rugby. And uh, we were just concerned if Marmion could do it. But like, if you actually look at him week in, week out, but it, with Connacht, yeah. he is a slick operator. His delivery is very fast. He's tactically very aware. So we were probably actually been a bit harsh on him and, and been a bit concerned because this guy has been in the squad for a couple of seasons now, never really got the opportunity to get going. And he just hit the ground running. And But in fairness to him, he he did what he's doing week in week out anyway. So yeah. it it he is that good of a player, and, and thankfully we do. Like Conor Murray is is you know when he's fit, he's absolutely essential to what it, is good about so much with Ireland. But it's good to know that Kieran Murray is there, and we keep him on his toes.
1: Where does where does this uh, island team go now? Well, uh, development-wise, you know, uh, we we talked about uh, back three. I mean, Jared Payne coming in—he looked, yeah. you know, seventy minutes. He, he was he was hanging at the end there. but oh,
0: he was a bit, yeah. Yeah, but he
1: was he was brilliant. Um, you know, yeah. where, where are the where are the new guys, the new blood coming through in the positions. Um, what can we see in the next maybe you know twelve to eighteen months?
0: Well, I I, I don't think you're going to see too much change in the team. I think this this. Twenty-three will will really be the core of it. But Joe Schmidt, every side that he ever takes on with Leinster previously, he's very good at developing a squad. And the stats I think came out there last week, Ireland, we have more new caps or one of the one of the highest rate of new caps. In, in, you know, if you take for when he comes on in tenure, and we now have an every position that okay, there's guys that we would love to start all the games. I suppose Johnny Sexton is is the obvious one. Yeah. But well, there's no doubt about it, we there, there's Jackson and, and there's guys going down, you're almost down to third or fourth guy, and there's mm. still guys who have gained experience and they're guys that can go through. We have now like it used to be a simple case of that we were worried about props, we now are, are three or four deep both on loose head and tight head. and it's really the squad experience wise are in, in pretty rude health. It's it's good to see.
5: Well you should mention that because you know, he slip. Uh, goes out, you know, very, very last minute. Oh my, when he comes in, he was probably the pick of the forwards. But what yeah. you saw re jig back row, which he's not as easy as it sounds. People think, oh, you just play at six or eight or whatever. You know, there's structural differences and tactical differences, especially the line out as well. Standard at eight. He looked, yeah. very, you know, he looked. <laughs> is there a case of of trying there and
0: him competing with slip? Well, you see, Stantler is an ace. Like he plays week in, week out with Munster at ace. Like that—that's his natural position.
5: That's why and I it's thought, just... I just wondered whether it, he, he's stronger with him there.
0: Yeah, well, look. Uh, to be honest with you, the the back row that started the game was the back row I would have picked mm-hmm. uh, for this. I I just feel that the change was needed there. I think there were. Quite stale against Wales, and I don't think it worked at all. And it just needed something freshen up. Uh, O'Mahony has been absolutely chomping at the bit. He would have been fully in contention, come running into the Scotland game, but then a, a small injury just kept him out, and he couldn't get back into that, into that back row that was playing so well at the start of the Six Nations. Yeah. But sometimes change is 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 good, and there's no reason for Jamie will be contesting now, like the CJ. Plays eight, there's no problem with that, and you have you have plenty of guys still going to compete there. Like nobody can settle and just sit back in in this Irish team, particularly in that back row. Like there's yeah. just so many guys there that are going to um, push for places.
5: Well, Shane, uh, that well, uh, b- bear in mind. Oh. You think it's the morning? I'll I'll let you get on with your yes. afternoon now. You can have lunch <laughs> yes, in a minute. Uh, thanks very much. Great as usual. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Take care. Time to consider Scotland. As I said, we we didn't touch them on them in the first 20 minutes, but uh, I think of all the teams, they're probably um, as pleased uh, as anyone, barring the events at Twickenham. Hugo Southwell, the former Scotland fullback, here played for Stade Français, a rare Scottish Calcutta Cup winner. Good evening, Hugo. Good evening, Brian. Do we put uh, the Twickenham experience to one side, or? Uh, is there more to that? How how do you think Scotland will will be rating that within their whole campaign?
3: Yeah, obviously you can't forget it, can you? I mean, it was a it was a by their standards for how they've been improving as a side, a dire performance, and uh, you know a lot of players that uh, played so well and, and put themselves within a chance of, of going on that Lions tour, um, you know, didn't have the best of games. But you've got to put it in the bigger picture and mm-hmm. put it in perspective. England played well on the day. Scotland played. Uh, nowhere near the level that we come to expect of them. And, uh, you know, I think, if you, as I say, if you look at the bigger picture of the Six Nations, it's been a good tournament. Uh, they're fifth in the world at the moment, and, and they've come a long way under Vern Cotter. So it, all in all, it's a promising tournament. Just frustrating when you get to such a big game and such a big opportunity, uh, and, and, it's, and it's such a letdown uh, with, a, with a result. I think... What do
5: you think to this? I think it is a signal to Scotland's players, look, Unless we are absolutely on our game all the time, we are not the sort of side who can have an off day and just go through and, and, and find a way to win. We really do have to approach every game like that. Because if we do, then we're greater than the sum of parts, but we don't have necessarily enough um, you know, superstars just to pull games out for us and rely on you know, something
3: happening. No, I totally agree. Scotland have got to be at the top of their game uh, the whole time, and I, and I think it's more the top of their game mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw in we saw in minute one with Fraser Brown going off, and from then, what what happens at Twickenham if things start going against you and you're not quite there mentally as a as a 15 as a 23, it just wave after wave hits you, and you know three first phase tries. I mean, we don't see first phase tries very often at all, mm-hmm. you know, let alone in club rugby, but in international rugby as well. So, I mean, it, it was just a bad day at the office. It was completely out of character and. I think it's got to be sort of, you're never going to forget it because it was such a big game for, and so much was at stake. But um, I think that sort of result and that sort of performance, um, like with the best teams in the world, what egg's what got on in the future and, and to make sure they don't have that again
1: Hugo Nick Evans here, mate. Um, it was oh, a, mate, how's it going? good. Um, it was a fitting send off for Vern Cotter. I've never seen him that emotional. I mean, a big Kiwi lad. <laughs> I was like, what's he doing? But um, he's, he's obviously got a uh, you know a place in his heart with, with Scotland. You know, I, I, this is me. I, th- I think you've got the best fullback in Europe. I think. Hogs, um, brilliant. I think you've now got a ten that can threaten an attack. He can marshal the team round, and he's, he, his goal kicking's improving. Uh, and Finn Russell, you've got a full pack that can compete. Um, with Gregor Townsend coming in, developing this attacking style, what we, what changes are we going to see? Influence from him uh, coming into the Scotland side. Will he change a lot uh, with the the bedrock that's been put in by Vern Cotter?
3: Yeah, I mean first of all, just give. Uh, I just want to say something about Vern Cotter. I mean, he has done a phenomenal job, yeah. as you say. I mean, he's been He's been absolutely brilliant. The, the standing ovation. I was at Murrayfield yesterday. Fifty thousand people still stood a, stood around to give him a standing ovation. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. Scenes, unprecedented yeah. for someone leaving um, a, a national job. You know, most people, as I read in the papers this morning, leave on bad terms. You know, because yeah. they haven't had success, and and he has had un, unprecedented success. So, you know, it, it's a massive loss to Scottish rugby. But obviously, they didn't want to lose Gregor Townsend. Um, He's been. You know, he was touted around. He's done brilliant stuff for Glasgow. Yeah. For me, I don't think much will change. I think the best thing about this is that 70% of the squad is Glasgow-based, yeah. and he is just taking on. I mean, he, he he deserves a bit of credit himself. He's developed a winning mentality and a winning culture within the Glasgow side in Europe, and also uh, in, uh, in in the in the Pro 12, having won it a couple of years ago. So, 70% of that squad is in the Scotland. He's already got a relationship with them. He's got mutual respect with a lot of these guys, and I and I really believe that it is just a, a natural progression. Frustrating that Vern's lost to Scottish rugby, but a natural progression for Gregor coming in. And I think the game plan won't change that much.
5: Well, was there any was there any chance of them uh, combining, or was it just simply it was one or the other?
3: Well, I think with Gregor having gone back, Gregor coached me, um, you know, he's backs coach uh, Scotland four or five years ago. And obviously the timing of his... Um, uh, the timing of him coming into it, it wasn't quite right for him. He went back to Glasgow uh, and he's done a brilliant job. And I think he's now developed as a head coach. And I, I think obviously they're both head coaches. Very difficult uh, for the, for, the, for where Greg has got to, to just slot into a, a role. Vern, Vern Cotter was definitely would have been head coach if he would stayed on. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult for Greg to slot back into that role. And I, I don't think in his career development, he would have accepted that. So mm-hmm. it was either one or the other for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can't argue; has done a great job. I just, uh, I'm just really glad the position that Vern Cotter's left us in, because you know, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be sitting fifth in the world. What about
5: the, the summer for for Scotland?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, it's all about you know, it's all about improvement, development, um, and I know it sounds uh, a bit of a cliche, but but Scotland are on a, on a journey. You know, like A Jones goes on about this journey the whole time, but with Scotland, they very much are, and they are improving. The last, despite that game last week. Against England over the last 12 months, we've seen some results that we haven't seen for a long time in Scottish colours. So mm-hmm. there is a general belief now, uh, rather than expectation, um, sorry, rather than the hope, there's an expectation that Scotland can push on. For me, it's still about that consistency of, of performance. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to see that result uh, too often, like we saw last week. We want every week Scotland to be there or thereabouts, and if they can be on their day, they can pretty, pretty much beat most sides. I, I, I believe.
5: Uh, we we asked this of the other the, the guests about the summer tours. Um, is there anyone that we haven't heard of that's around the fringes that might actually just push into you know into major contention? Is there anyone that you think is is is, is perhaps poised for that?
3: Well, I think I mean I, I know we've heard of him, but I think for me when, when we look at Hugh Jones, he mm-hmm. is someone to me that um, you look at his stats over the last I think six tests. And and in not just his try scoring ability, but his assists. And for me, in those six tests, I think he's had eight assists in either tries or, or, sorry, eight either tries or assists in those six tests. And and that, for me, for for, for a creative player, for a Scottish player, is uh, is again unprecedented. Especially in our centre. Centres we've over the years struggled. Yes, we've had some really good players, but you know, since the likes of Gregor, uh, guys like that, we haven't had the guys that can really make things happen. And, And I think for him. Inside the likes of Stuart Hogg, you know, there's a real threat there now in, in the Scottish back line. And um, Hugh Jones, a bit of a dark horse for me. Centres, I, I feel, going forward, talking about the Lions, centres for me is, is a bit of a, no one's really saying, I want to go. Because everyone's had the odd good game here. You know, Jonathan Joseph, obviously a hat-trick against England, but he didn't play the week before. You know, Robbie Henshaw, good game at the weekend, but, you know, maybe a bit indifferent at Wales. So no one's really putting their hand up and saying, you know, take me on that tour. Hugh Jones may be a dark horse to go on that.
5: Uh, well, you mentioned Glasgow and obviously doing well big influence how far I mean if you could get Edinburgh um, to to come anywhere similar then the situation would be even better but how far away are they from that you think
3: well I mean yeah, they are, they are a, a long way away and uh, you know Glasgow have been building for the last three or four years I think Roxy Richard Cochran coming in taking over from uh, from Alan or well, Duncan Hodge obviously temporarily in charge for the last um, seven or eight games but Richard Cockle coming in. That is the that is the challenge. If he can uh, lift this Edinburgh performance to anywhere near to where Glasgow are, uh, and they can get that consistency of performance and uh, and winning mentality mm-hmm. that is now transferring to the Scotland team, then you know there there, there is so much going for for Scottish rugby and. Uh, You look at the Italian team, for example, it must be so difficult for both teams every week. Uh, They keep on losing and then they have to go and play Test Rugby. It just just doesn't, it it naturally transfers into international rugby. And I think that's why I talk about Gregor Townsend having so much uh, influence on on what's happened.
5: Well, we will see, um, like everyone else. I'm sure you will be, uh, you're not going down there, are you?
3: No, 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 I'm not going down
5: there. Well, Hugo, thanks very much. Speak to you soon. Thanks
3: very much. Cheers, guys.
5: Right, it's time to speak to someone who, in his prime, would probably have liked 21 minutes of extra scrums. Uh, It's Adam Jones, the former Wales and Lions prop. Uh, Good evening, Adam.
4: Good evening, Brian. How are you?
5: Now, we'll leave that bit of the game aside. Wales finished fifth. That's not the real story. Uh, How did you assess their their Six Nations tournament?
4: Uh, Look, I thought we, you know, if things, uh, you know, certain things actually went nowhere, you know, defending a bit better in the last five minutes of England, I think if we'd uh, certainly if we played second half like we did um sorry, if we played against Ireland mm. and against Scotland like we did against Ireland then I think we'd have comfortably gone up in Merrifield. So no, I think you know, I don't think we're too far away sort of that type of thing. But I think it would be disappointed with fitness, uh you know, it was never nice just to be by the lead on there. Yeah. And um look it's, you know, they'll there'll be a lot of questions asked I think they weren't far away from uh, you know, getting a wee bit higher but I think we're just a wee bit off
5: the base at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that, Adam. And barring a few things, you're right. The table could have been completely different. But I, this just concerns me because it's a comment I have made to people after many uh, Wales games, you know, the Australia games, South Africa games, and and on, where they've come really close, just not close them out. Now, I I'm at a loss to understand where you get that from. How how can they get that 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 will that wherewithal to to close these out.
4: I think uh, if it, if you look at the England game, I think you know as you said, yeah, it's happened many times before. And I've been involved in quite a few games against Australia these mm. type of teams you know, where, where we pushed them, come the last five minutes. It? Certainly, it's not. I don't think it's not a fitness thing like that anymore. It's more like you're looking at John and Davis's kick against um, England.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, you'd rather you'd rather someone like uh, I think if if game management, if, I think if Swear was on the field at the time, he'd have had another rack and he'd have boxed the ball off. Yep. You know, so he'd have had you know, defend again. So you know, I think it was a bit of an experience at half back at the from the scam half at the time to give it a John. And you know what happened. to me. Elliot Daly, quick look go in the corner. End of story. You know, big game loss. But um, no. It's that you know it's a lot always it's always all, you know, working in training and uh you know, I, I think sometimes if if it is the mental attitude, I think it's I think maybe the training field isn't way you need to do it. You need to you know, <laughs> maybe they have to have uh, game management lessons or whatever, how you know, just just understand yeah. the game better, you know, and uh but no, I think it's something happened It happens far too often. Mm. Again, it happened when I was playing, so it's not as if it's a new thing. But um, I don't know. I feel, you know, I feel sorry for the boys. You know, I'm friendly with. You know, I feel yeah. sorry for someone like Alwyn, who's his first campaign as captain. You know, and um, but we can, you know, I'm sure they'll bounce back.
5: What about the uh, the Howley factor now? What's your view on this? Because a lot of people around Wales are saying that the extra bit that's missing. Uh, he's Warren Gatland, and uh, Howley, on his own, he's not able to carry the uh, the whole the whole thing.
4: Well, again, again, it kind of people say that we we won the Six Nations last time in 2013. You know, we mm-hmm. you know we had that game against England when we won it and stopped them winning the Grand Slam. And uh, Rob was in charge of that, You know, I was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but look, Gats is is his own sort of he's got that sort of aura about him. I think you know he's you know, especially from a forwards point of you kind of, you know, he keeps you on his toes, he, you know, he, he used to work very hard um, physically and mentally, you know, um, you know, he's no, um, you know, he always be sort of getting into him, sort um, of, play different mind games too, but look, I, I don't really know, um, you know, I I thought to be a bit more, um, a few fresh faces in there maybe, the, the last year I was surprised the new coaching set up had a, you know, that the long-term contracts given them again, yeah. but, you know, I think Gats is here till 2019, isn't he? And, uh, but, I, you know, he's, he's kind of vital with how the Welsh play. You know, we can get the boys revved up and, you know... But then saying that Rob won... Well, we won the Championship. He was a coach when we won the Championship last. And he was on the 13th. So, you can't really go criticising him too much, although it hasn't been particularly good this campaign.
5: Well, the results haven't. I mean, some, no, of, the, some of the performances have been in top draw for parts of the game. And yeah, um, I, on Saturday, uh, you know, I watched... Sam Warburton's kick go end over end over end,, yeah. which was very unusual. Go dead and he'd be a tremendous Ruby work. And I thought it was a turning point of the game let 's go let 's go now to this quite extraordinary period, um, yeah. you know from four minutes before the end of the game now um what you 're in the current game still you 're not too far removed from the international game. What do the elite referees say, if anything, to you before the game about how they're going to approach the scrum.
4: Certainly what I what I've kind of worked out is a lot different at club level than international level. Mm-hmm. I think in international level they've been given a kind of remit to you know get as many scrums um played as possible. Like certainly with uh, playing in the premiership there's a lot of resets. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of resets in the, the French game yesterday but you know there's a big emphasis with us in the premiership with you need a gap.
6: Mm-hmm. But the
4: international game it seems pre-engaged at the moment the scrum so it's not um as far as I can see, they just want the scrum was over and done with.
5: Do they say but, but beforehand? Do they say anything specifically to, to you in the front row or not?
4: No, nah, they kept, oh, but they come in and say the he was a Been saying for the last twenty years, you know, <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing. And um, you know, it's, it's one of those ones. It kind of goes sometimes good in one year or the other because they don't, you know, they don't, uh, <laughs> they don't believe it.
5: No, but you know, it's
4: a first one as a prop because you know, some, they come in and say, "Oh, tight head." you know, we want you to bind long. And mm-hmm. I'm not, like, fine, I'll bind long, no problem. But then you've got a loose head who's trying to drill your ribs and yeah. just ball in across you. So I'm like, ref, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to bind long if it's going to happen here. I'm going to yeah. drop my shoulder and do something to stop doing it. Yeah. You know, they don't seem to understand that. So look, it's, um, they want to, I guess they've got a, a bit of pressure on them to get the ball in and out played. But the last 20 minutes, was, you know, for me, France were obviously dominant. They were, they were the dominant scrum. There was, It was a couple of, um, reset to start. I thought you would have given a penalty try earlier.
5: Well, I tell you me, what, let let me, Adam, let me take you back to the sequence of events, because when the replacements came on for France, I you especially. Yeah. especially, uh, and the Welsh replacements came on, Wales had three scrums where they were absolutely static. Yeah, uh, they yeah, held I'm them, sure. uh, and then it got towards this series, uh, the start of the series towards the end, and they went for it a couple of times, and they didn't get anywhere really, which is the reason why I think he didn't afford a penalty try because he wasn't certain he was going to be there. And then with this thing with Somali and the Doctor. Yeah. Did, did you watch it live? I, I don't know if you watched yes, it yeah. since. What was your view? It live, what, what was your view at the time?
4: I, well, I went through it today on so
6: did the I, last 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
4: like last yeah. 20 minutes, writing stuff down. And it was one. The first thing I saw was Damian Shuli and Maestri trying to pep up a Tony before, before anything started yes. in 79th yeah. and a half minute, I think it was. And they were yeah. trying to pep him up. I don't know whether it was because he had a bang on his head or he was injured or they were just trying to get him revved after the scrum.
5: Well, there was certainly no incident before that no. where, you know, he was down on the floor what holding his no, head. exactly. There I wasn't know. one.
4: But then all of a sudden,
5: and then the ref asked him,
4: and, the, and in kind of fear, of the sort of in his, you know... No, um, Adam, Adam
5: this was after. What, just before then, the doctor came on and spoke to him, Antonio, and right. Antonio was looking at him and saying, well, "What are you doing here? and no, and the doctor walks off, didn't Aye. speak to Wayne Barnes... And then, then Then's then. the bit yeah. where Barnes is in his ear. Someone said to him, what's going on? And then I think he said, well, you know...
4: Ah, oh, right, yes, OK, fine.
5: Yeah, then he said, well, carry on, then he said, you know, are you injured?
4: Yeah, then he said, he said his back was fine and he? he was always a bit sore. Yeah, so I'm sure but it. he didn't mention then, his head, did he?
5: No, 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 no. and then, the, then
4: yeah. your man came on, didn't he? Which, yeah. look, I, I'm pretty sure stuff like this has happened before, isn't it?
5: But, but there, was, there was then a scrum, he went down, he got up again, no sign of injury, the doctor came on, yeah. he started to walk off, didn't say anything. The doctor actually started to walk off, uh, and turned to go. and Barnes called him and said, uh, c- "Come on, excuse me. Are you are you you know are you saying yes, you off in your yes. fresh opinion for a head injury protocol?" I said, and "Yes, I'm, yes, I'm, yes, yes, yes." But all the time, Slimani was warming up before then. Right, yeah. i well,
4: that's well, I'm well, sorry we come, I come to you. Yes.
5: Uh, yeah. So, your instant judgment and your judgment now on it.
4: My instant judgment was: I put a tweet out. It's a bit suspicious the French tight end has just gone off injured there yes. I, don't, I didn't think he's gone off I think they've done something a little bit naughty yep. to get him off the field that, and, that was my first and, and, now, and, and now yes same thing
5: yeah. well my instant one was um, that is it well, I said I hesitate to call it cheating and uh, now I don't hesitate because I think it was um, <laughs> in in terms of going forward now um, can you see this personnel these players adapting Fully to the, the game that's becoming obvious, you have to play at the very top level, you know, the fluidity, the change of tactics, and so on. What is needed to, to achieve that?
4: Oh, look, I think I, I don't know if they need a big clear out of players, certainly, but I think there's players who can come in and do different jobs. I think mm-hmm. for Wales at the moment, you know, is um, oh, yeah, it's a tough one. I, you know, they've, they've tried this new style, and look, sometimes we look good sometimes we look very good you know sometimes we look like we can attack but then all of a sudden look like even yesterday our centres were like pulling the passes there's no sort of the ball you know yep. <laughs> look I'm not a centre but I'm sure you want the ball out in front of you yeah. when you're running, yeah. so you run in, so you know you don't have to check your stride etc yeah, yeah. but so look you know I'm sure they're working very hard but you know they keep saying that all the time don't they mm-hmm. look I'm personally I'm a big fan of getting Stephen Johnson as soon as possible as some sort, as, as a back squad right I don't know what you know how this fella King is but I think Stephen uh you know, obviously, being Welsh was one, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to get him as soon as possible. I know he's on the summer tour, so hopefully he can have a big input then. Just, but, um, oh, man, it's, it's frustrating because it's always the same thing as this. it's always, you know, we're trying this new style and it's only so long that's going to kind of mm. act, act as an excuse, you know? We can't we can't keep saying that. But then I look at us in the summer and we've New Zealand and we scored one try from first phase. Yes. Like a, a brilliant move and it was unbelievable. Like, I thought, Christ, where's this come from? This is like the turning of the, the tide, I think, but it's kind of, He's stagnated a wee bit and gone backwards, I think. So definitely
5: well, Adam, thanks very much. I mean, they, they've got a tour. To, is it uh, they're going to Fiji, Tonga and some more, aren't they?
4: Yeah, I think so. so yeah, did, you, you know, did you ever go down there? I didn't, know, no. It's a bit odd for me.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, good luck for the rest of the season with Queens. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, bye. Cheers, Cheers turn off. One England team, well, actually, two England teams did win Grand Slams uh, over uh, the last weekend, the under-20 uh, team. And the women's Six Nations was won by England, and I'm very pleased to speak again because he's a regular contributor to the England women's World Cup winning coach, Gary Street. Good evening, Gary.
8: Evening, Brian. How are you?
5: Uh, I'm not too bad. He he went, uh, you know, down um, everything on the last game uh, for both sides, and England come out. Well, they were fairly comfortable winners in the end, uh, 34-7. How much of a of a, a reflection is that on the professional nature of the game?
8: I think definitely in the, uh, the second half against Ireland. Um, first half pretty even. Um, Ireland uh, competed really well. And then as the second half grew on, the, the quality of the England bench, the, the overall fitness, um, meant that they ran away. And 34 7, you know, it looked a really comprehensive win on paper, but it, it really took the last 20 minutes or so to, to really change the tide.
5: England aren't necessarily in in a situation where they're going to lose a, lose a lot of the experienced leaders at one time, but. Um, uh you, you did you put in place or is there in place a succession programme to replace the ones that have you know, will go eventually?
8: Yeah, we tried really hard at that and, and obviously that's the long term goal for everybody and um and there's there's, there's a lot of good plus in, in, in France. Uh, France as well have got mm-hmm. a really strong um strength in depth. I was I was over in Bordeaux on Friday night for the England under twenty um, girls against the French uh, under twenties and, and that the French under 20 side are fantastic and um and it's again over there, and, and I think that's what everybody's now striving for. And, and with the sort of the new professional nature of, of women's rugby, I think that that's going to be even more paramount going forward.
5: Uh, well, my uh, well, she's not the, she's the second eldest now, she's only nine, her uh, daughter. She <laughs> went down today to a festival, it was an all girls festival in Camberley. And yeah. I've always said, you know, when they can't play with the boys anymore at 11, the where their options are so limited in terms of where they can go geographically, yeah. they just lose yeah. loads. You know how close are we? How close <clears throat> is England to trying to get you know the the sides where where girls can play within their own locality against other girls and develop that way? How how near are we? It,
8: it, we're getting a lot closer. The, mm-hmm. um, the the role of the CRCs from the RFU now and the RGOs is is just. Um, kids playing rugby in schools now, both, both boys and girls, and and that's growing massively. And I think that I'm definitely seeing seeing a sea change in that. That you, you're dead right. That there's a big gap, or there was, between 11s, 13s, and 15s, and the drop off. Yeah. But now clubs all over the country are starting to have those those age grade sides, and and I think that within the next two or three years we're, we're going to make significant changes. And 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 I've I've seen it sort of at first hand here, and in the states as well. I've been over there with with Harley Quinn's. We're, we're looking to do some some work over there and and kids coming through and and girls coming through is huge at the moment. So, uh, yeah, it's a a massive target area.
5: Now, this is going to take money. Are the RFU giving enough?
8: (laughs) I think they can always do more. I think that they are contributing a lot. They're putting millions over the next three years into the new Super League programme. Well, that's what, sorry, Gary, that's
5: what concerns me. You concentrate on one end, but actually, for future development, this end is, if anything, probably more important.
8: Well, I think that what I think the the bit, and definitely from from the clubs that I have spoken to and and, and Quinn's that I'm involved with, is that there's there's money going in, but it's not just the top end. We've already done a lot of work this year, and um, 600 girls playing in the hooligans switch program um, already. We've got we've got local schools that that queens coaches go out and coach as they are a few do, and I think that it, it will be distributed, and I think that that's it's sort of a, it's important that we all buy into that and, and I'm absolutely sure that the people the right people in the game will make sure that it's going through to the to the younger mm-hmm. age groups as well
5: well the um always the the world cup is advancing where are england in relation to the rest of the world
8: um pretty good after the six nations i think that we're, we're still not finished yet i think there's still um of performances have been up and down we didn't start very well against france um there were, there were bits of the Italy game we didn't play well but I think it was um, really encouraging how we ended against Ireland who are who a good side um, we'll know probably a lot closer in the summer um, England are playing New Zealand three mm-hmm. tests away in June just before the World Cup so uh, we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea I think of where we stand then And uh, but we're, we're definitely sort of, I think we're still at least top two in the world and, and on our day we can, we can beat anybody Well
5: that's good actually before we end the season I want to come down and uh, see what you're doing down at Quinn so if, uh, if we can arrange yeah, that look, that'd be
8: great yeah, I'd love to, Brian. That'd be great.
5: Thanks very much, Gary Street. Time now to go uh, to a different code, the great game of Rugby League, with uh, one of its former superstars, uh, Yestin Harris. Yesin, good evening. Good evening, mate. Now, I think, uh, have you been at uh, Wigan today?
7: I have, yeah. I was there this afternoon with Mark Wilson. Yeah. Um, it was a great game, actually. You know, I think everybody expected uh, Wigan to run away with it. I think we had 20 start on the... Uh, On the coupon, but Huddersfield sort of booked that trend, really. Played exceptionally well and were unlucky to uh, to only get a point out of the game, to be fair.
5: Yeah, um, Castleford, their unbeaten start's gone now um, uh, against Salford. Uh, You've seen Castleford for a while now coming up. Um, Am I reading too much into it to say, actually, they need to get the consistency, etc., or was it just a good performance from Salford?
7: Well, yeah, you know, so for so a good team. Um, you know, they've, they've, they're a very competitive team. They've, they've, every game they've played this year has been very, very close. And, you know, again, they, you know, they've had a one-point victory. And, and I think, you know, the way that uh, the game has been progressing over over recent years, especially, um, you know, and, and there's always an, a great argument with the salary cap. But what, what the salary cap has achieved in, in rugby league is, has made that we've got 12 competitive teams. You know, you've got Warrington who were um, were, were outright favourites, or one of the outright favourites for the uh, for the competition at the start of the year. They're now non from five at the rock, rock bottom of the uh, the league, and you know you've got teams that are uh, you know beating everybody. So it's it, that's what the salary cap has brought us. Now you know have, have we got the, the quality of what we had in the past? I'm not sure, but we've certainly got the competitiveness, and you know Salford showed that against Casper today.
5: Well, uh, perhaps uh, the boys who police it can have a word with the English Premiership. That that might, that might help. Um, yeah. You mentioned uh, Warrington, and and I've been asking the question, what on earth is going on? But when you hear Tony Smith say they out enthused us, yeah. Um, yeah. that that's not acceptable, is it? Surely.
7: Well, no, no, it's not. And you know you, uh, you know, you you've played the game at you know the highest level, and 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 you you know you understand sometimes it's. You know, you can put all the effort in the world into a game of, of, of rugby, but if it's misdirected and, it, and it's not cohesive and, and, and everybody's not working together for the same direction, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a useless effort. And, you know, that, that was the case with Warrington. It has been for a few weeks. You know, there's lots of effort out there, but it's very individualised. You know, there, there's no cohesion within the group. They're um, they're a little bit lost out there, and that's purely coming down to confidence.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, and, and there's an element of pressure that comes with sport, isn't there? And there's different types of pressure. There's, there's pressure with winning semi-finals and finals, which is which is culpable. It's the when everybody's uh, questioning you and you're, you're numb from four and going into a game. That's a completely different type of pressure, one that Warrington aren't used to
5: and, but, but and yes, struggled yeah. with. it. But you know, you couldn't get a better confidence boosted to start the season then you know the the turning over the aussies could you i, I just I I, yeah. I, I I maybe i mean people have tried to explain it to me this way saying well it's such an emotional uh, fixture because you feel responsibility to the whole game over here that you yeah. put so much into it there's a downtime but um you you must anticipate that as a coach or as a player surely and inure you yourself against it, I, I, but certainly not to the extent where you lose the next five. I, I...
7: Well, yeah, you know, I I, I agree. Um, you know, I think the fact that the NRL has been perceived to be where um, we're way and above quality of Super League for um, for a number of years now, and you know, we, we've we've tried to compete against them and struggled, and and I think emotionally, you know, for Warrington to come out and, and be electric against Brisbane and. And dominating them from start to finish was was probably a lot of um, sort of emotion came out of that because mm-hmm. we've been questioned as a, as a game uh, and, and and probably took the foot off the off the gas a little bit and Casper learned them a lesson the week after and then all of a sudden when you when you become beatable everybody looks at you and says, well we can go and get these guys and and I think that's what Warrington have had actually teams are going against them there, which in previous years they may have been beating before they went out there. Uh, now, everyone's looking at them and saying, you know, we can get you guys. And they've got a few injuries, yes, but, you know, certainly this should be better than uh, none from fives, definitely.
5: Uh, how well do you, uh, well, I'm not saying out of 10, but tell me your thoughts on the contribution that uh, Neil Dukes is making at least in because from the outside, it looks to be very good indeed.
7: Yeah, he, he is. He's doing an exceptional job. Um, you know, he's got a really good coaching group. He's got Paul Cook, who's you know, ex hull Hull KR players, um, you know, been coaching a few years now. And Kieran Pertel, who's been at St Helens and Huddersfield, has got a really balanced coaching group, which mm-hmm. is helping and, and probably what's helping them as well. And it's a smart move, really. You know, the first year in Super League, they've got a lot of experienced players. You know, yeah. they've got, you know, the pack that played the other night, I think, you know, five out of the six were between the ages of 31 and 35 which is a short-term fix, but you need that, don't you, when you come up into a top division. We've
5: got to stay there, you know, first can, of all, haven't you?
7: Yeah, absolutely, and you're, you're going to have to add some youth into that as they go along, but, you know, they've got a really experienced group that know how to handle situations, and, you know, Neil Dukes has been at the heart of that recruitment, so you've got to give him massive credit.
5: He also mentioned, and this can be a factor, and I wonder if you could tell us how much, uh, the the atmosphere when uh, when Lee, Lee played at home. He called it a cold, he called it.
7: Yeah, it is, and you know that you know they, they don't get massive numbers, but you know it's, it's a reasonable. You know they had seven thousand mm-hmm. the other night, but you know seven thousand felt like you know twenty-five thousand with it, with the noise they make and, mm-hmm. and they're very hostile uh, group of fans, and 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 it's difficult to play there. And I, you know I was speaking to a Super League player over the weekend who said that they went there the week before for for Huddersfield, and they said it's an absolute nightmare to play there. and and if if you can get that atmosphere at home and, you know, you, do, you get away teams that don't look forward to coming, you, you're halfway there, aren't
5: you? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh,
7: and, and certainly that's what they've achieved there, which is fantastic for them.
5: Well, um, Lee sitting third. They've got Wigan, uh, I think, uh, next. Um, and you put five tries past um, who are, you know, they're not performing as well as Dennis spets certainly wants, and I thought they would do. Um, was that just a routine win against a, a side that are not playing well, or is it, you know, an indicator that actually you give them uh, enough room and they'll, they'll they'll put you away? Well,
7: you yeah, win witness, if you you know we're talking about witness a little bit, you know, witness of the recruitment's not been mm. fantastic this year. They're they, they, they're fragile, and um, you know, I, I I suppose it's early days to say it, but you know, it's very difficult to see them finishing anywhere. Near the top eight, certainly the way they're going. So you know, is it is it routine against them? I'm I'm not sure. Any win in Super League's routine, um, but certainly you know I think teams that are coming up against Widnes now at this moment in time feel as though that's a it's a scalp they can get. Um, you know, and, it, and it, it potentially looking like a long season for Widnes.
5: Um, but David said uh, he was going to say, but he, he thought he'd better not do because people might uh, look at him as if he needed putting it away. Um, that. Uh, Leeds Rhinos quite capable of winning, you know, of winning the uh, the league, and uh, yeah. he said he's he's a bit more confident about saying that now. Um, is he right? Um,
7: well, I, I think that the, the fascinating thing with Leeds Rhinos uh, for, for for a long period of time is that you, you you expect them not to win things because you think they've got frailties within the squad, and 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 I think people have been saying that about them for. Probably the last seven or eight years, and, and, and continually they've proven people wrong. But mm-hmm. you know, obviously they've had great leaders in the likes of Kevin Sinfield and Jamie Peacock within that group, which have which have now left and retired. So that certainly dents um, the, their abilities to win trophies. But you know, again, people have written Leeds off again this year, and, and, and they've proven historically in the last ten years that you can't write them off. So mm. no, I don't think it's a silly thing he's saying at all. I think they have got capabilities to do something this year and, and I think that's a little bit of psychology from Brian McDermott as well, giving his players some confidence, absolutely mm-hmm. they are a good side because two weeks ago they lost by 60 points at Castleford and everybody was literally calling to Brian McDermott's head, they were, everything was falling off and I think that probably is a little bit of a psychology thing to his players
5: uh, Lastly, uh, probably the pick of the uh, next round, uh, Wigan uh, at home to all, how do you see that one going?
7: Well, Wigan we're going to struggle injuries wise at this moment in time. They've lost a, a couple of players today at the game, which which will be very unlikely that they'll make next week. Um, and you know, the, there's a conveyor belt of youngsters at Wigan that come through and do exceptionally well. But you know, again, you you play the game at a very high level, and youngsters are great coming in when you've got experienced players to go with them. Well, Wigan's experienced players are getting less and less at this <laughs> moment because they. They're just p- losing players left, right, and centre now. Hull have, are a very experienced team, and I think that's a difficult game for Wigan. Very difficult. I think Hull are a, a good team um, that, that potentially could get a good win there, and you know Wigan have got to get the troops back pretty
2: quickly.
5: Yes, in Fantastic uh, contribution, and thank you very Brilliant. much. Thanks, mate. All Thanks. the best. Bye bye
2: in association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions, supporting the team behind the team.
5: Time to quickly turn our attention to the uh, other hemisphere where Super Rugby is continuing and starting to get a bit better. Um, I think, uh, as you know, we always try to feature one of the countries, and tonight it's the turn of New Zealand, and we're very pleased to say we've got Daniel Mccardy, a New Zealand commentator. Uh, good evening or good morning, Daniel.
2: Hello, team. Good morning from here.
5: Yeah, good good okay. I've got Nick Evans uh, next to me, so Nick. Uh, Nick is probably better qualified to ask you about how things are going from an internal <laughs> point of view. <laughs> All
1: right, let's get stuck. Hey, in, uh, I'm not too bad, mate. Let's get stuck into it. Um, I mean, the Crusaders Blues, I mean, the Comeback Kings, the Crusaders, been behind by 15, 16 points in three games coming from behind. But the Blues, um, Tanda's under pressure from what I can see. I'm going to tell you what I think and uh, and tell me if I'm I'm bucking up the wrong tree here, but I'm not seeing a lot of leadership. Um, you know, you think of a spine of the team, uh, especially in rugby, you're 2, you're line out caller, you're 8, nine, 10, you're 12 defensively and you're 15. Now, I know Iheia West kind of got the Shepherds crook the week before and I feel a bit sorry for him because... Going forward, Rico Oni, unbelievable, but he doesn't strike me as someone who's, who talks a lot, organises a lot. Collins is new to the to the team. Um, you know, the game in the weekend, I watched the Crusaders when they uh, they, they got that try back uh, from a rolling mall and uh, they got them back into the game, and they, they were they were brought in, the cameras were on them, and you had White Lock and White Crockett laying down the law. Everyone was listening, everyone was engaged. Um, I'm not seeing that at the Blues at the moment.
2: I can't agree with you more. Uh, you. you... And that name, Whitelock. Let's, let's look at the Crusaders. And granted, the narrative of the comebacks is almost getting a little bit boring now, isn't it, after a few weeks. Uh, <laughs> but the, his leadership is probably the the least talked about thing. Yeah. Him stepping into that void. Uh, and I think the whole team's sort of been empowered by a fresh voice of Scott Robinson. And then you look across the fence. When things start going wrong for the Blues, they look sort yeah. of rattled, shells of themselves. And uh, I think you've, m- you've made some very good points about those outside ten. A new full-back. Ehi West, though, 40-odd games now, Nick, and Super Rugby. Is that not enough to have really laid down a marker? So,
1: Yeah, true. Uh, Piers
2: Francis was an option that they tried him, but I think he had his own issues. But 24 points to five up with a Ford, Pat, that was giving them front football. Pulu, the halfback, who I think has been arguably one of the best yep, signings agree. Um, anyone has made. 24-5, you've got to find a way to win. But how ridiculous did, was was coughing up that lead? within 20 minutes, half an hour to go, you're down by that many. And with 10 minutes to go, the Crusaders have the lead. So, Tana is under pressure. There has not been massive amounts of improvement uh, under his stewardship. Are
1: we still seeing the drain from the Blues? You know, you look around other franchises and you see guys popping up, playing unbelievably well, but they started at the Blues franchise?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not not pointing at someone in particular? (laughs) No, that happens year and year out, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Uh, But but, but the the number that is on everybody's lips here is that 10 jersey, and you know it well. Um, I I think someone was describing it last week as the most cursed jersey in New Zealand sport. Yeah. uh, is the Blues number 10, and and you need the maestro, you need the conductor to the orchestra. So I I look at a Ford Pat that on paper, theoretically, should provide a platform for a 19 and 12, but uh, just a, a little bit too inconsistent, but... As much as we can lament the Blues, I think you need to go. Hey, boy, those Crusaders—they look yeah. incredibly fit. They look strong. I think Robinson's fresh voices just giving them just a, a, an extra kick this year. And, and once they figure out the start times to games, Nick, and yeah, actually realise it's 7:35 kick off, <laughs> they're going to be pretty tough now, aren't they? So, uh, I think if you look at the New Zealand Conference, one, two, three—I think that's how it's going to finish.
1: Yeah, this... I, I
2: really do. I, I just think the Highlanders, having lost so many games against. Uh, New Zealand Conference sides now, and, and the injuries they have to Lima Sopawanga for a couple of months, uh, and the Holo for at least a month. I just don't see them getting back into the mix, even though I think fully fit strength-wise, they, they are capable. I yeah. just don't see the Blues are capable well, that's, of that's, getting back into this race.
1: Let's head down to the Town I mean, the Hurricanes, I mean, how good are they to watch uh, for a start? I mean, the, the stadium looked half full. Um, and I don't know why more people aren't going along. Um, thumping my old team, the Highlanders, who, as I agree with you, look a shadow of themselves. A lot of issues going on there. But you know, a little bit of an All Black watch uh, with with injuries to Dag, Naholo, Milner, Scudder out. Obviously, Ben Smith just coming back into the fray. Jordy Barrett. Um, I, I actually realised watching him for the first time how big he is. I mean, you know, Bowden's not a, a small lad, but this Jordy Ge- uh, is absolutely massive. He's quick, defend <laughs> defensively. Um, that shot he put on uh, to. A try-saving tackle, um, and, and an attack, well, you know, a fifteen who can play ten. You know, he chimes in. His great little kick pass um, to Lamapape for one of his uh, his tries was was brilliant. Um, he's got a shot. You know, at least a really good bench option
2: a shot, there are some people already in New Zealand claiming he is the best fullback.
1: That's not like us uh, to do that. There is, a
2: guy, there, is a, there is a guy called Ben Smith floating around the, uh, this yeah. part of the world, So who's quite handy. I'm not Very too good. sure if you're aware of that. I, I think some people yes might be getting a little bit carried away, but the skill set is there. Outrageous. I, I think the game of rugby I most want to see in 2017 is the Barrett's Backyard Footy. Game. Yeah. <laughs> because you've got Scott Barrett, who was the best player on the park for me for the Crusaders, Friday night. We know how good Bowden Barrett is, but... His brother's skill set—you saw that ship to the wing. Yeah. You've already talked about the the offload, the tackling, um, and the blistering sort of speed over ten meters. Sounds familiar. It just sounds like his brother, doesn't it? Yeah, it so, does. uh, An amazing option, and and he obviously spent a lot of his time playing in, in Canterbury and in, in our, our provincial championship, and all the buzz out of um, my Canterbury colleagues is number twelve might arguably be his best position. So a bench option for sure. And, um, you know, the Smiley Barrett stable continues to pr- produce some pretty talented uh, footy players.
5: Well, Daniel, you, g- I mean, you gave the 1-2-3 uh, New Zealand Conference. When you look at the Australasia group as a whole, the only real interloper is the Brumbies. Are they really seen as the equal of the uh, the competitors within the New Zealand Conference? Or, or is the, the table flattering
2: them a bit? Well, I'll try to open my two Kiwi eyes, Brian, which, you know, can be difficult. I know, I understand that. I, I l- I look at the Brumbies as a lesser of a size this year, considering what they had available to them last year. I think they've lost a couple of key players. So I look at that uh, Australasian conference as a whole and see Chiefs, Crusaders, Hurricanes, having just separated themselves from the rest. Sorry, Australian fans. There was much hype about the Reds heading into the season. They've lost three of their opening four games. The Force always battle the Waratahs too. That therefore must be massively concerning, having lost three of the opening four games. Uh, And the Rebels are the Rebels, as we jokingly call them. But uh, the Brumbies, I'm just not sure if they're as talented as they were a year ago. So it is—it's a real struggle in that Australian market for a really high-caliber teams to push on for a title. And boy, do they need it with. with them really struggling in that market, um, you know the, the local football competition signed a, a broadcasting deal only a few months ago that eclipses rugby overall in australia, mm. and I think that just shows you of, of how much they are battling there and unsurprisingly, um, one team apparently will be culled out of their market, perhaps um, finding a, a way to strengthen all the sides will provide a better product and be more more engaging. But if we're looking at 27 Super Rugby, 2017 Super Rugby, there's a few Kiwi sides. i throw the Lions into the mix. As far as title contenders, that was my prediction at the beginning of the season that the Lions would win it overall um, due to the softer draw and should be able <laughs> to play home finals too. Um, so... that. I just don't think an Australian side is capable of winning
4: it, so
1: to say. I, I agree, mate. And, and I was talking to Michael Liner the other day, and he he said there were more people watching two New Zealand games, uh, new, two New Zealand yep. teams playing in Australia, than actually watching an Australian game. Now, I know there's a lot of Kiwis in the Gold Coast, but, uh, I mean, that paints a, <laughs> that, that paints a picture... Lots it, of tattoos, yeah, no. <laughs> that paints a picture in itself. But, um, you know, obviously, the Rebels being privately owned gives them a massive edge. You know, it doesn't cost the you Uh, anything. Um, And and I heard there's maybe something, the Brumbies, an option merging with the the Rebels themselves.
2: Yeah, ironic, isn't it? Because if you look at the history, the Brumbies are the most successful side in Australian rugby. But if we're looking at metrics of population-based potential market, it's hard for anyone to ignore the five million-odd Victorians floating around uh, compared Mm -hmm. to to Canberra. Uh, There's not a lot going on in Canberra. Uh, at the really? best of times, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, yes, you amazed yes. me. <laughs> yeah, startling to hear. <laughs> I know that. Oh, I much prefer to go to misery in the UK, uh, but I'll leave that alone. Uh, so, so, I feel for the Brumbies, but dollars and cents—you've got to find a way to create revenue and money because the best, the the second tier of players often cherry picked, head off shore. Uh, I think last count, I ran into a South African colleague. Last count, they've got 428 South Africans playing offshore at the moment. It's staggering. So Super Rugby's always been a strange old beast, um, and they've got to find a way to get it right because they have simply diluted it. There's too many freebie games. There's too many games that, as Nick pointed out, you look at the calendar and you go, "Nah, I have no interest in that. I'll, I'll watch the 5:30 game, even if it involves two teams not from my country."
5: Well, Daniel, we'll we'll leave it there with the sentiment. Of, I feel sorry for him, but not that much, which is a good Kiwi sentiment towards the Aussies. Thank you.
2: Any time, guys. Look Thanks mate. to it. Take it easy.
5: Nearly the end of the show. We've got QEB's QBE rather. Their Lions watch to do now. We can be much more specific now. Um, do you think the mix will be um, even across the countries, or is one team going to actually probably have five or six players? You think?
1: I think you you made the point early on that I think there might not be as many English in there as we as we think. I still think the the bulk will come will come from there. Um, I still. I still look at the back row, and it's you know, it's flip a coin on some of those some of those players. I mean, you know, you look at Jamie Eastwood not playing in the game; it's put him put him back in the in the picking order just for, purely for not playing. It's not his fault. You know, it was his fault he rolled his ankle. But um, so much of it depends, and we don't know on what what Warren Gatlin wants to actually exactly, do. Exactly, exactly. And are we are we ever going to get? an answer with that on on the style of play that he wants, we'll probably only get it by the, what he picks. Um, absolutely exactly so yeah. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to wait and see until then. So, you know, the coaches are very um, you know, they keep it to their chest until and then you can only really gauge it from the side that they pick, so it's up to you, mate. You're gonna have to get in some questions and uh, no, try well, and get I've, them out. I've of it.
5: I've had to pick mine for the telegraph and all with everyone else and I hate doing it because you know, I want to caveat everything. But well, go on these, then throw, but it out but there. There. throw it out there. But that, but that, but that. But that. Um, have you no, got no, it? I haven't got it on me, actually. Oh. You'll have to You'll have to buy the paper, then, <laughs> uh, to find that out. <laughs> Let's leave it with this, because we're over time. At least we're not 21 minutes over time. But uh, <laughs> is there a nailed-on captain? Uh, no. I don't think so. That's the end of that one, then. Right. right. Um, what Owen Farrell has been mentioned in lots of guises. Yeah. But I... And he, he may well start at 12, but I, I just wonder if you pick um, the Ireland halfbacks, which is probably going to be the case, whether someone like Henshaw, who's played them a lot, then comes in, it contention, much more contention because he's familiar. That sort of decision is all over this squad, and and how do you think that thing that might go?
1: I think combinations will come into it a lot. Um, maybe more so combinations in specific areas. Like right. you say, the 9-10. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think you're nailed on there, nine ten. I mean, I, I would put Farrell at 12, Henshaw at 13. That's for me. Because you've got cover for 10 already yeah. out there, it means you can be a bit more flexible with your bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got two goal kickers, which then again, you don't need to worry about another goal kicker on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think combinations do come into it, but I think... Uh, center pairings and things like that will be, I think you'd be a bit more flexible there. I, I, I think it probably is not as important as you think. The problem is they don't have a long. That, there's not a lot of time together before before no. they're straight into it, you know. No. And and that is probably the big concern about. And that's why I think more so combinations in specific areas, more important areas like your nine ten, um, you know, like your maybe maybe your front row, um, you know, centers back three, you know, uh, you know we can look everywhere and say combinations are important but i think the specific areas especially
5: 9-10. i hope it's not the case but it, it might be uh, that we don't get to to speak together in this uh, on this uh, show mm. before the lions go but do they have a realistic chance of winning the series do
1: they have a realistic chance of winning the series i think no but I think it's going to be a lot closer than, than than some people are saying, and I think the Six Nations is showing that. I think um, there are some quality players up here in the Northern Hemisphere, and believe me, New Zealand are aware of that. It, it, the Six Nations is not what it used to be, where it was just a, uh, a funny little game, you know, mm. tournament up there now. It is a quality, quality um, tournament, and there are some quality players in it, and I think this will be a very strong Lions team and it is going to be interesting to see the team that the All Blacks pick yeah. and that that will be just as hard as, as us talking about what mm-hmm. Lions team there will be
5: Well we've now come to the end of the show, actually we're six I think six minutes over um, and we haven't had one scrum so can I just say goodbye, thank you, for, thank you very much for listening to Brian Moore's full contact in association with Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance Many thanks to uh, my co-host again, Nick Evans, for joining me in the studio this week, and to our producer, Abby Patterson. Next week, my co-host will be the former Newcastle Saints and London Welsh back, Tom May. Remember, you can get in touch with us throughout the week via the hashtag FullContact, and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Good night.